This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we worked in the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real life stories of survivors, experts, and advocates as we debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, frauds, scams, and multi-level marketing. Hey, Hunbots and Hunbros. It's my birthday weekend. I turned 43 on the 24th, and I find that the older I get, the uh, the celebration of my birthday just gets smaller and smaller. I remember being a kid and being like, it's my birthday month, and like, give it to me because February has the least amount of days, all right? And then being like, it's my birthday week, to it's my birthday weekend. And like, even my birthday weekend, like, all of my friends are like, what's going on? What's happening? And I was like, you know what? I don't even want to get out of my pajamas. So if everybody could just bring the takeout to me, that would be great. Um, <laughs> but I just have a weekend full of plans to go out to dinner and eat delicious food. So um, if you want to see the delicious things we're eating, you can check it out on Discord in our food subthread <laughs> because food is such a huge part of the show just accidentally because we all love it so much. So we have our own sub thread so we can share all of our treats and snacks and foofy coffees with each other. So yeah, that's what I'll be doing this weekend is just sharing copious pictures of fun things with people that I love. This episode doesn't really come with any content warnings. It is a really super easy episode. It is with one of our Patreon members, Gina. 
it is just fun talking about MLMs and social media, both pre-social media and post-social media, and what being in an MLM looked like before Facebook and some statistics and things that sort of go along with what we were seeing and saying. Just interesting little Freakonomics connections that uh, I wanted to dive a little deeper into. Anyway, enjoy this episode. I'm going to enjoy my birthday. And I will see you back here next week because we have the Scientology episode to like end all Scientology episodes. We have Mark and Claire Headley joining us. It is a huge episode. It will be a two-parter Sunday, Wednesday. So be on the lookout for that. And if you are a Patreon member, you will get the whole episode. Yeah, at once. One whole drop. Boom. So check it out. We've got a free tier. We've got a $3 tier, five, ten. There's lots of ways to support the show. And enjoy listening to this content as much as I did making it. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. Today, we are going to be going down the rabbit hole that is social media and how MLMs have sort of taken on that space and created an entirely new machine that just allows MLMs to thrive. So I'd like to welcome our guest today, Gina Pizzullo. How are you? Hello. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm excited to talk to you about this because you have two separate MLM experiences Mm -hmm. that happen sort of pre-social media explosion and then post-social media explosion. So I pulled some facts and some statistics and even some like interesting dates. And we're going to kind of go along this timeline and help you tell your story and maybe answer some questions. People listening are like, oh, I remember this kind of vaguely. Like what? Yes. And the differences between MLMs before and after social media. Yeah. So welcome to the show. It's so great to have you. I'm excited. You're a member of the Patreon. I see your face in all of our chats. So it's nice. I see your name. So it's nice (laughs) to see your face and to connect with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Patreon has been so fun. If you haven't joined, join it. It's a lot of fun. I love the Monday. Actually, it's Monday morning for you, but that's my lunch. So at my Monday lunch, I tune in and we chit chat. Yeah. (laughs) Sort of catch up for the week and talk about different things. It's a great place where people be like, did you hear about this MLM? And so I kind of like workshop different things I found. And it's just a fun little place, you guys. We're trying to build a community here. Mm -hmm. I love it. So Gina, let's start at the beginning. You joined an MLM in 2001. So this is literally pre-social media. Pre-internet, like their website and even ordering online. Yeah. Pre-all of that. I was in beauty school in 2001 and there was, I mean, texting wasn't even a thing. Smartphones weren't even a thing. Mm -mm. No, everything was done on the phone. Yeah. We're early 2000s. And you join an MLM called Party Light, which we have talked about on the show before. So let's talk about your experience with Party Light. I had just gotten married. I got married in 2000 and parties were so fun. Free stuff was so fun. I was in my early 20s and my mom, I remember my mom having Tupperware parties and doing those little things like that. So I went to a Party Light party and I wanted to have one. 
I was excited. It was my little apartment that I had. So the girl I booked a party with, I'll never forget, she had a death in the family. So she had someone else do it. And the person who did it was like, (laughs) she was like, I have to tell you about Party Light because they make us do it. But if you want to join, and I was like, I don't like this girl. I was like, she wasn't fun. It wasn't like the games and the free stuff. That's what I wanted. I was into the games and give me the free stuff to get out of here with. And so I knew right away, I don't, I'm not the type of person that thinks about things. I just jump in and do it. (laughs) So I said, I want to do this. I want to sell candles. I couldn't go online because there was no online. I think they might've had a general website, but I called them on the phone and I said, I want to do this. So they hooked me up with someone in my area to sign me up. And from the moment I talked to her on the phone, the love bombing started. It got me really jazzed up, really excited. So I signed up and it was good to go for the next like nine, eight, nine years. Wow. (laughs) And I was on a path forward. Yeah. So you're in party light. They sell candles. Mm-hmm. They sell the hurricane lamps. Yes. Candles, the accessories, the home decor. So once I got my kit and booked my parties, I was just about raring to go. And what were the ways that you connected with your community and your friends and your family to book parties back then? Face to face. And I remember you had to have six parties to get started. I didn't have six parties to get started. So we kind of flubbed that a little bit just because she wanted to get me in because I think that me was helping her. I think she was a unit leader at that time or it was going to help her keep her status, you know, to have her sponsor. We called them sponsors of party life. And I was raring to go. And, you know, all of this with internet and social media, there are also a lot of little red flags I'm going to talk about because there's some little things that I didn't have a traumatic experience like some people did. I'm thankful that like, I still have my bank account. I still have my family, like, but there are little tiny things. You know, the first meeting I went to, I was definitely swarmed and love bombed completely. Everything was face to face. So we did a lot of fairs. I went to a big fair in the area with this person who signed me up. We would do raffles to get people's names. So if you fill out those raffle forms, they're going to call you because I called them. I did these fairs a lot. That was how you tapped into your cold market were these fairs. I found them very helpful and, and useful. And I don't know, I was only in for a couple of weeks, but I felt that pressure that I had to call these people all the time. And you had to do your power hours and you had to make the phone calls. And I hate, oh, I hate talking about this and I hate thinking about it. But I felt the pressure to make these phone calls that I was making phone calls on 9-11, like the actual 9-11. I'm hiding my hands if you can't oh see my me because it's just so... <laughs> blah, but that was one of the things that I, I forgot about until listening to this podcast. <laughs> we do cringy things. It was cringe. It was completely cringe. But that's how you met people, and that's how you called people, and that's how you booked your parties. So you know, fast forward to I don't know, like April was when I promoted to a unit leader. So I was a kind of on a little bit of a fast track. I also earned the first free vacation. Okay. That they gave. So what does being a unit leader entail? So a unit leader is six, just six direct recruits underneath you. That's it. Okay. Six. So they don't have to have anything. You just have to have six. They have to meet some qualifying sales that they had. I mean, remember, Party Light does not have an MLM structure anymore. Oh, just strictly direct sales. That ceased to exist, I think, around 2020. Okay. So now they have affiliates. 
Ah. So, and I, and dummy ass me in 2020, guess what I did when they went to their affiliate? Did you sign back up? I signed back up. <laughs> Gina, what was I thinking? That went nowhere. It went nowhere. I tried, you know, I tried, I said, oh, maybe I'll transfer the social media stuff. I opened up my Gina's candles and shit. That's what I called it. <laughs> it didn't go anywhere. It was a lot harder than doing parties. And I said, what am I doing? So I just stopped doing that. It was very short lived. But so April comes around and you're a unit leader. Yep. So I had six people underneath me. With that, I, you know, earned extra points for these trips. Party Light had, you know, the vacations. And I have to say, Party Light vacations for the consultant, even though they were taxed, they were free. Oh. I didn't have to pay for airfare. I didn't have to pay for breakfast or dinner. I didn't have to pay for my hotel. I only had to have lunch money and excursions. Wow. And their trips really were all inclusive and there was no like, you know, trick to them. You had to earn, like if I wanted to bring my ex-husband, like I'd have to like get extra points and there was a pay scale for your guest. But other than that, it was, they were pretty free. Wow. Okay. So I earned my first trip. I was all in at that point. I was ready to hit the big numbers for the next nine years, which I never made to, which a majority of people, you know, don't make it to. I'm going to be RVP. I'm going to be RVP. You spend more money, you spend more money. You just don't get there. But I digress. So everything was in person. You know, there was no social media to go gain customers parties, everything was in person. So your A game was always on. You're always listening for that person who's like, oh, I can't afford this. Oh, well, let me tell you how you can. I was always listening to four different conversations at once because I needed to know who was I going to pinpoint to book that party. Wow. So, yep. I even had to, all the orders from the parties, I had an order sheet, like a main order sheet. So I had to collect the parties. We used to call them shows too. Like you have a show. So I used to collect everything, do it on the order sheet, deposit everyone's checks into a bank account, write one big check. So if somebody's check bounced, that was on me. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Like what happens if someone's check, did it happen to you? I'm assuming it did. I don't really remember anything outrageous. And of course, if they did use a credit card, we could send in because we would send in their individual order sheets and it had their credit card on it. So the company would run their credit card. But if they wrote a check, their check was wrote out to me, which as a customer, I would be like kind of iffy about doing that too. You know, like I went to parties. Well, obviously I've done it. I've written checks out to people. Well, you make a really good point because not only is it just not the social media connections that you're not able to utilize because it doesn't exist, but it's right. the payment systems too. You know, you don't have Square on your phone. You don't have a smartphone. You don't have like PayPal app or no. anything that you can cash app somebody or mm -hmm. Zelle somebody. I mean, there's so many ways that you can send money so easily between people nowadays. You don't have any of that. So your guests of your show are filling out paper order forms mm -hmm. and then you're having to go through all of these transactions and either collect checks or use the credit card swiper. When I, by the time I got there, they were running it there, Okay, but I still had to fill out the whole. But you're filling out every single thing by hand Yep. and you're having to do all of these transactions, collect mm -hmm. all this money and then make one big order on your account. Yes. Now that box would then come to you. It sent it to the hostess. Oh, at that time. 
Okay. So the hostess would have to go through and bag up everyone's order and distribute it. So that, and that was also like a plus for me, like that drew me to it was like, oh, I don't have to worry about everyone's stuff. I don't have to deliver it, you know? Oh, so the hostess of the party would get the big box of stuff. And if she had people that were like family members or friends that were out of state or even out of town. Oh, that was her problem. (laughs) She would then have to mail everything out. Mm -hmm. Or get it to them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. And it wasn't too long after that I started there that they opened up online ordering for the consultants. That was good. That was like a big thing. Like, oh my God, it's so wonderful. Like, because we didn't have to mail in one giant party or send everybody's things in the mail. Right. We can do it right online. Because if a credit card declined, Party Light would have to call. I don't remember if they called the person or they called. I'm assuming they called us or let us know because they don't want to deal with the customer. But at least when I did it, when we had to do it online, it would be automatic. So we would deal with it right away. But if it's something that you have to mail in, you have to mail in, you have to wait for them to get to it. And then it sounds so archaic, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) And then we have to wait for them to call us or the customer to say your credit card declined. And then if they decided never responded and didn't get that order, then that would affect the hostess and how much the hostess gets. And like, what a nightmare that it would change the whole trajectory of the party. So at least when we were able to do it online, that was a little bit easier. You decided to leave Party Light, like you said, eight years later in 2009. Yes. So let's talk about the last party, the last straw. Like, what was it that made you decide to leave? I think I was feeling a little bit burned out. I wasn't reaching the milestones that I had reached. I was barely holding on to my team. I know that I... For the last trip that I went on, I know I had faked some, because you had to sponsor, we called it sponsoring, recruiting. You had to sponsor at least three people and they had to qualify. So do whatever their numbers were that they had to do. And I faked two of them. One was my mom and one was my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) I was having a hard time keeping up with my team. You know, people fall off, so you have to recruit more. So I knew that I was at the end, I was getting burnt out, like barely earning that last trip after, I don't know, six or seven vacations and trips. That's kind of where I knew I was like, I can't do this anymore. And my husband at the time was like, you need a real job. This is not going anywhere. And I was like, but yes, I am making money. I was always the third in sales in the, our region area, you know, year after year. So I thought I was doing good, but I definitely was not, (laughs) especially after the money you spend. So I actually had went back to work because in this meantime, I stopped working and I did this full time and I had my son, which was really nice because I was able to, I stayed home with him, but it still was definitely not enough. So my last party was in 2009. It was the day Michael Jackson died. I'll always remember that because it was on the radio as I was driving to my last party. Wow. And I knew it was my last party. I was like, yeah, this is it. This is going to be the last one. And that, that was it. It wasn't, I didn't have this big aha, like multi-level marketing is bad. I was just like, okay, I'm done with this now. It was great. But I, you know, for me, I'm done. And that was it for several years. But by the time we got to the end of that, Facebook was just starting to come into mainstream. I know I signed up for Facebook in 2008. I went to college in the nineties, so we did not have any of that. (laughs) So 
I mean, I was a MySpace girl for a while, you know. Let's talk about Facebook for a little bit because I remember joining Facebook. I think it was like 2006. Mm -hmm. Facebook was specifically designed as an online Facebook for people in college. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really something I utilized in college. I went to beauty school. So like we didn't have like Facebook profiles or anything like that. I didn't join uh, until it was opened up for everybody. You didn't have to have an at edu email address anymore to join Facebook. They opened it up to everybody. I want to say in like 2006 or around that time. But I Googled like the history of Facebook, what things were happening, because I was curious what was happening in like 2008, 2009, like when you're joining. And I remember there was a big boom in Facebook and like a bunch of people had joined around that time. So, and I'll throw the links to all of this in the show notes if anybody's interested, but it says in July of 2008, Facebook invited its members to try out the quote, new Facebook, which came with tabs and something called the wall. Uh, like a mini feed, your wall surfaced updates related to you. And the wall also came with a publisher atop the tab for posting photos, notes, and statuses to your wall. So that the wall became a thing in 2008. Like that's wild to me to think of Facebook. I mean, I rarely use Facebook now, but like the wall, that was like the whole thing with Facebook. So in 2009, when you left Party Light and Facebook sort of had this big resurge on March 16th, 2009, Facebook made the controversial decision to let people for the first time ever post their content beyond their circle of friends. Mm. And the company added a privacy option called everyone, which meant that members could designate the type of content that was viewable to anyone. In September of 2009, Facebook surpassed 300 million users. That's crazy. So that's where we're at in terms of social media. Now, Facebook Live didn't come around until I was in MLM. And that's, I want to say 2016, 2017 is when Facebook Live became a thing. And we'll talk about that too. But like, that isn't even until 10 plus years after they made the status ability to post so that anyone can see it, not just your friends. And 30 million people joined Facebook by 2009. So this is this untapped market where you can reach anyone now and it's there for the taking. This is sort of when social media starts to, not quite yet, but there's a little bit of an inkling. I don't even think people were utilizing it for sales or anything at this point, but it's just very interesting to me that these dates sort of all line up and coincide with my experiences and your experiences as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just around that time, I remember I did start one of those, we always called them like pages because you like them, but those business pages. And I did start one for Party Light, but it was very short lived because right after that, I stopped doing Party Light. So I closed the page and I don't even remember how I used to post on it. I do want to say that in your Facebook memories, you know, Facebook memories come up all the time. Very rarely do I see an old 2009, 2008 post about party light that I had put. Maybe like, oh, I have a party or I think I saw one the other day where I complained that the snow had canceled my show, but never a promotion like I see my later ones in my next MLM. And those make me want to crawl in a hole and hide forever. (laughs) So I definitely see a difference on how it was utilized because I didn't even think 
to utilize Facebook. I got on Facebook because my favorite band group growing up started their reunion, which the reunion is still going. And I met a boatload of new friends through it. And so I wanted to connect with them. So that's why I ended up on Facebook. Okay. And I'm still friends with them today, but that's why I got on Facebook. It had nothing to do with Party Light or anything because I didn't even think of utilizing that for the business because everything was always so in person and and parties and face-to-face that it didn't even dawn on me that I could use that to expand my business until the next MLM was like gung-ho on social media. So let's talk about that. Five years go by, you're raising your kids, Mm -hmm. you're a mom, you're doing the stuff when you're home and 2014 rolls around and you decide to give another MLM a chance. So I was post-divorce, was single, and I had just gotten into the fitness industry. So I was a certified personal trainer. I was a certified group fitness instructor. And like, who would be better than me to become a beach body coach? <laughs> it's seamless. It seems like such a great fit. That began in 2014. It was right when 21 Day Fix was about to come out. So the hoopla on that and the containers and the whole thing was exploding. And I was a part of that. And that's where social media, I noticed, had changed. That's very interesting that you say that. Because I remember around the same time, I had my daughter, Abby, in 2011. So I was a mostly stay-at-home mom. I sort of worked in the pockets of my day at the salon and I had a blog. And I remember being in that same, like, this is a new stage in my life. And what I want to do is get in shape. (laughs) And I remember being added to a Facebook group that was for a friend of mine who had been in the same birthing group. We had a Facebook group for the year we had all had our babies And she had just become a Beachbody coach. Now, I didn't know what Beachbody was. I didn't know what MLMs were. I mean, you know, the way that we all don't know what MLMs are in the beginning. Right. And she was talking about how she had just done all this stuff. She was like a runner and she was in the fitness industry and had been very like fitness conscious before this. Mm -hmm. And so when a mom group friend of mine decided to start her own coaching business, very innocuously. I remember like clicking on her website, her replicated MLM website, joining this Facebook group with all these other moms who were doing the same thing and buying a Pio DVD and having it shipped. You know, this was even before their streaming service. So like this was one of those early social media is becoming transactional sort of things, but it wasn't super salesy and her posts weren't super salesy. It was like, here's a recipe for a shake. And I wasn't in the market to buy Shakeology, but I had like protein powder and it was like, oh, you can use Shakeology because it's like everything you'd ever need all rolled into one, or you can use your own stuff that works. It wasn't super salesy. It wasn't super like you have to have this and you've got to sign up for this auto ship. And it was like, let me know how you like the DVD. Let me know if you have any questions about the moves. I can help you out. It didn't even seem predatory back then, aside from, you know, recruiting your friends and like making them buy things they don't need. Right. But even in 2014, 2015, it was not nearly as predatory as it has become now. And how even in the next two or three years in time, it became. Right. 
head over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the flow knit high rise boyfriend jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. Not to mention using recycled claims standard approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a cotton modal scoop neck tee and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com MLM for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular, personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report, and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet. And they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. I did see in that same time frame, and I think that's when it started to really kind of blow up a little bit in terms of just everybody joining Beachbody or, you know, trying to be a coach or doing, you know, the videos and whatever, is that I signed up with someone who was also a fitness professional. Fitness professionals were giving their thumbs up on this for a small time frame. And I always had voiced my concern as a Beachbody coach with non-fitness professionals trying to coach people through actual fitness moves. The big thing too, probably around like 2015, for the next few years after that, it was big to put all your little videos online. 
all of your ads for your Facebook pages were you doing workout moves. Like that's what it was. Or doing these little compilation videos of workout moves. Some of the people who were putting these out were trying. The form was so off. It was frightening for me to see as someone who taught fitness that they were teaching other people fitness. And that was what concerned me. And that was something that was always a red flag to me, but it was a red flag in the back of my head that Beachbody never addressed. And it's still a problem to this day. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I just closed my eyes to it and because <laughs> I'm not part of it anymore. So it's not my circus, not my monkeys type of thing right for me at this time. Let's talk about the juxtaposition of pre-social media MLM experiences and post-social media MLM experiences. Yeah. So 2014 rolls around, you join Beachbody. That's really when things were more innocuous. I want to say I really started seeing MLM stuff, uh, 2015, 2016. I feel like it was really starting to creep in. That's when I discovered It Works and discovered LuLaRoe in that time frame. And it was very much like, come to this Facebook party. Everyone's going to be there. You can order off my website. It'll go directly to your house. You don't have to fill out any forms other than putting your information on the secure, you know, allegedly, I don't know, website on the back end and we'll handle everything. And you go to these Facebook parties and these Facebook parties, they include the games that you liked having at the other parties, but you get to be like in your jammies on your couch and you don't have to leave and you don't have to bring food to share and you don't have to pay, you know, $15 to make a thing or any of the things that were the gimmicks of all of these parties pre-social media. So now we're right. playing like a word search, first person to send me blah, 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 gets entered into a raffle and you have all these things. Everybody tell me your favorite product and you'll get entered into a raffle and there's contests and there's raffles and you know, you can get a discount. Wow. You get a 20% discount on everything you buy. And there's a lot of FOMO being built and you feel like you're social, but you're on your computer sitting next to your husband while he watches his gold rush TV shows. And it felt <laughs> like, Hey, like we really can have it all. Yeah. And although with Beachbody it was a little bit different. So when I joined Beachbody, I was like, I've done this before and I was good at it. I'm going to do it again. It's just a different product. After a while, I was like, this is different. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing with the social media. I need people in front of me because I can be in the room with 10 women and I could sell that hurricane lamp and I can book four parties and get somebody else to come with me and have a decider show. I was comfortable doing that. But when it came to the beach body, it's like, how do you do that? I even was trying to come up with a way to do parties because that's what I was comfortable with until I discovered, I want to preface to that. I don't have any ill will against anybody that I was involved with multi-level marketing with. I still have Facebook friends, my party like people. I, you know, still talk to them. They still do their multi-level marketing, bless their heart. Some of them have been in it for 20 years and that's their thing. Okay. So it was different. So I was even trying to figure out how can I have a party with the Beachbody stuff? I discovered this online course or class, and I don't want to say what the name of it is because I don't know if they're still in business, but I will say that the guy who developed it, he's wonderful. He's such a nice guy. He built this whole teaching thing on how to use multi-level marketing with Facebook. And he taught everything from telling your story to building the page, to advertising the page, 
to what you do when you get the people coming to your page and how to build that up. So I invested a lot, a lot of money that I wish I hadn't. But I mean, if you go onto my Facebook and you can look at the ads and how much money you've spent lifetime, I'm going to throw up. He got me really comfortable using Facebook and putting the videos out there. He got me comfortable at the time. I'm not comfortable with it right now. If I had to look at some of those old videos, the way that I don't know how you do that. I closed my page and I deleted it. And all those cringy ass videos went with it. Thank God. Except for one video that I'm glad that I still see once a year because my son and I used to do taste testing videos. And my son actually liked being on the camera. I never made him do anything he didn't want to. So him and I did a video tasting and it was so gross that we both like spit it out in the bag. And I'm glad I still have that because it's funny. And he's 18 now and he was like 10 then. So it was cute. You know, he taught you how to do those kinds of videos where you're a little vulnerable which I would not do now ever in a million years. With the course, I built my Facebook page up to about 25,000 people. Wow. Through running ads and just constantly posting. Now, did those 25,000 people translate into business? Absolutely not. (laughs) It was just me spending money on advertising and building up my page. Yeah. So I spent a lot of money doing that. So I had to learn how to do all that because it didn't translate from party light into beach body, but I did spend a lot of time and I've done a few other like personal things that it's actually helped with because I know how to run Facebook on the back end. And I think a few people who were in that group actually went on to doing that for other legit businesses and social media stuff because they learned how to do all that. And now it did translate into other businesses because it's just, it was just Facebook marketing. But this program that I was in was strictly for multi-level marketing. Yeah. And so I spent money on like lifetime subscriptions that, oh yeah, here's my lifetime. (laughs) But I had to learn. Well, it's really interesting because back then it was a needed thing. Yeah. Nobody was doing that. Nobody was creating courses to fill these holes in the industry of like, wait, now all of a sudden we can use Facebook to get people. How? What do we do? I don't even know how to use Facebook. I mean, I meet people today, tomorrow, yesterday that would tell me that they don't know how to use Facebook. So to have somebody figured out and approach it and provide this, it was a needed service back then. Nowadays, it's a master resell rights dime a dozen course that like anybody can figure out. There's free blogs and YouTube pages now. But back then, there weren't a lot of people who even understand what an algorithm on social media was. And so being able to buy a course, and again, not a lot of people are doing it, so they can try it however much they want, to really just learn how to utilize social media for your business with an MLM slant, Mm -hmm. you can take a lot of that stuff and go, oh, I can use this for my t-shirt business or my Etsy store or whatever, because it is really just basic how to run a business with the help of social media that was never around before. And it really revolutionized the way that e-commerce happens and MLMs, how MLMs are even presented on social media nowadays. Yeah. And the group is pretty much, I'm still in the group because I like to go in and kind of see what's going on and see who's with, really, I'm in it for the Beachbody tea. So to see if anybody, because it was, it was largely a majority of 
all, I don't know how he marketed to just Beachbody coaches. And I was there probably a little bit in the beginning because I think he started around 2015, 2016, and I joined in 2016. So I think he, I was in his second or third group that was going through the training. It was all Beachbody coaches. So I have no idea how that came into fruition, but I'd still peek in there to see if there was any tea, but pretty inactive right now. So I'm assuming that like the business kind of didn't hold up and he found something else to do. And, you know, I'm not shocked, but for the time frame that everything was kind of blowing up, it worked well for him. We all spent a lot of money. So, yeah, but obviously it didn't keep my business going, obviously my business. quote. So knowing that I was going to talk to you today, I went and I found this it's actually a pro MLM article, but I actually think I, I kind of cut and pasted some of the points that it makes. And I think it really works towards what we're trying to describe and talk about in this episode. And again, I will link it in the show notes if anybody wants to follow along. But the article is called Four Reason MLMs Must Harness the Direct Selling Power of Social Media. And it's a little eye opening, but again, not anything that we would be too surprised to hear. So reason number one is that social media is where your customers are. I mean, that makes sense, right? That's what we're talking about. Facebook allows you to post to anyone and everyone. You can have like pages, fan pages, you can have business pages, you can have private groups, you can mm -hmm. have groups that are open. Like there's so many ways to connect to people. And MLMs nowadays tell us, oh, you know, find the problem that your business solves and then put yourselves in the groups where those problems would be prevalent. So if you sell a health and wellness, you want to get into different groups about health and wellness. If you sell fitness, you want to get into fitness groups. You want to get into all these different places. Well, the very interesting thing and some statistics just to think about 54% of the world's population is connected via social media. So more than half of the world is on social media and is connected to our fingertips. And in North America, the number jumps to 74%. 74% of the country or North America, I'm assuming they mean the United States, but we're just going to lump all of North America together. 74%. That is a lot. In 2020, the number of users surged. So we have another social media surge. Oh, well, yeah. Like when Facebook opened up for everybody in whatever year it was, right? 2008, 2009. <laughs> In 2020, the number surges with social media gaining 1.3 million new users every single day. Well, yeah, that was COVID. Absolutely. Everyone was isolated and decided to get on social media. Uh-huh. 1.3 million new users every day. That's 15 and a half people every second. Jeez. It's wild, right? So on average, users worldwide spend almost two and a half hours interacting on social media. I feel like there's a lot of people that do a lot more and there's a couple people that do less, but on average, users are spending two and a half hours on social media. And more than half of consumers report using social media to research products and services before making purchases. And they also depend on social media for recommendations on their purchasing decisions. So many times like, which wedding gown should I get? Which shape flavor should I try? 
it's a lot of really trusting your audience that you've curated and your community that you have. 70% of consumers who have a positive experience with a company on social media are likely to recommend it to their friends and family. So if you buy something from an MLM and have a good experience, you are 70% more likely to share that with your friends and family. And I know we talked about the pandemic, but pre-pandemic, 55% of consumers said that they had made purchases via social media platforms such as Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and whatever. So even before the pandemic, 55% of consumers were already purchasing on social media. It is this untapped market and there's not a lot of regulations and a lot of the rules are really just based on the policies and procedures or the terms of service of these Facebook apps. We know that TikTok quote, doesn't allow pyramid schemes and MLMs, but it's half of the stuff on my FYP. It's like anti-MLM or like ring bomb party, <laughs> party over and over again. And so it still exists regardless the rules that are put in place because everybody just skirts around them. Oh yeah. Facebook does have a regulation that you're, you cannot sell anything on your personal page. And there's actually been word and rumor of some beach body coaches getting their pages shut down, their personal pages shut down because they, and that was one of the selling points of this group I was in was like, see, you need to learn how to do it properly because people's pages were getting shut down. And I used to see it a lot more those that I'm still in communication with from Party Light, they, you know, that now that Party Light had closed down their MLM structure, they've moved on to other things. I don't see them doing it in their, you know, it doesn't come up on my feed. They have, I think they have their own groups and their own avenues of doing it via social media that's not in your face because hopefully people know nobody wants to see it anymore. But yeah, so Facebook does have some rules that I've heard that have got people have gotten, you know, their hands slapped but it still does slip through. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It, it definitely was a different experience. Well, one of the other reasons that MLMs are super jazzed about you moving your business onto social media is that moving customers from social engagement to a shopping experience can be very seamless. So MLM companies and reps tried a variety of tactics aimed at finding and engaging their target customers on social media. In recent years, a few key methods have emerged as proven approaches based on the products, customers, and direct selling models involved. Says first and foremost, successful social selling starts with representatives that are consistently posting content that is helpful and relevant to their target customers. Because by establishing a foundation of useful content, it's not overly sales focused and MLM reps can provide value that their followers can't get anywhere else and strengthen their customer relationships. So this is another thing where people mm -hmm. like from those Facebook groups that we talk about, right? I joined thinking I'm helping a mom. She's sharing recipes. She's sharing workout tips. She's sharing new, oh, check out what's coming with the new DVD next month. If you want to add, it's got this. I felt like I was in that Facebook group for more than just buying Shakeology and workout tapes. Like I was in there, we were tracking each other's progress. We were making friendships outside of just being a mom. We were connecting on different fitness journeys or sharing recipes and things like that. And it was this really sort of seamless transition into then purchasing, which 
again, throughout the years, replicated MLM websites come out. It's just robertablevins.lularoe.com or whatever. And you click on that and it sends you to my replicated website where everything, I get my commission, I get my credit, I get my sales, it ships it to you. It's so seamless, especially with being able to put a link tree in your bio, being able to throw your store, the link to something somewhere, just click this link above, takes you right to my store, takes you right to the product. The less steps between, ooh, look at that lipstick and buy now, the less steps between those, the more seamless it is for people to get you to buy. And this works really on anything, but it really works well for MLMs because making it super, super easy with everybody in these groups saying, oh my God, I love that lipstick. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. And getting swarmed by all of these customers, you are already looking to your community for confirmation bias on whether or not this is a good thing you're about to buy. And here you're in a group that is literally targeting all of these things. And all you have to do is click this button. Oh my gosh, it's so simple. Blink, done. Yeah. My main thing was the like page. And then I would sporadically have free groups, like come do a, a gut health group. I was also a certified health coach. So I would take those kinds of things and build groups or come do a, I think I, once I did a water drinking group, let's get our water up, you know, let's use one of these water apps and we all connect on the app and in the group and share. I did a butts and guts one, I think, where I would post a, a workout move or something, you know, like an ab move or whatever, like these little groups had nothing to do with the product just to add value to translate into business. And I remember like running my own group and thinking, wow. This is such a cool community. Look at what we're doing here. I'm creating like fashion education. I'm not only just showing people this cute dress, I'm showing them how to style it. I'm telling them about the different types of fabrics, what fabric drapes better, what fabric looks better this way, what is easy to care for. Like I really thought in LuLaRoe that I was providing a service above and beyond what other people were doing and encouraging people to shop with me on social media because I was providing this community. So another way, reason number three, is that shopping experiences can meet or exceed e-commerce expectations. Today's MLM customers have high expectations for online shopping. Any obstacle that makes browsing and buying experience feel complicated can cause them to abandon their cart without completing their purchase. So again, this goes right back into the seamless shopping experience, not only having that community, but making that buy now button really easy to click. So replicated websites that are provided by the MLM software must deliver a seamless one-click transition from social media. And once the customer lands on the replicated website, they expect shopping to be simple and to navigate from any browser or device. So by optimizing online shopping experiences for mobile devices, it is now basically like business critical. So these are all things that are happening that we never thought back in 2001 when you started MLM that you would have to worry about one, smartphones, and two, having your website that wasn't a thing back then also be like mobile friendly. So that's a whole nother thing that they've added. Also, this was an article from like a couple of years ago, but they said that Online shopping via smartphone is projected to account for 73% of e-commerce sales. 
So 73% of online shopping is happening on our phone that are in our pockets that are accessible almost everywhere. And on everybody's smartphone, we also have social media. We've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got TikTok shop now. We have Facebook marketplace. We have like Instagram shopping. It's everything is becoming like transactional. It also says that research shows that 53% of online shoppers appreciate personalized recommendations based on what's in their shopping cart or their past purchase history. And this is another thing that I think MLMers, if they're quote, I hate to say doing it right, but quote unquote, doing it right, <laughs> keep records of this. Understand that Peggy loves to buy leggings on Fridays and let's throw in a shirt for Peggy or let's remind Peggy before Friday of all the great stuff coming up. Or, oh, last week you got that red shirt and I've got this great pair of leggings that I think would work really well. Let me show you the ones that will match before the sale so you can keep an eye out. Those personalized recommendations, the personal touch of everything is so like necessary because MLM has done it. It is now commonplace within e-commerce if you're shopping on social media. If you're not doing that, people are like, mm, no, never mind. I want to see what the jewelry looks like. I want to, you know, see you open it. I want to see you put it on. I want to see you wear it. And that's what all of these new online boutiques do. They're almost forced to do this because MLM has sort of set this e-commerce standard. It's really interesting. And it's not anything that I ever really thought to like look into. But like when you were like, hey, let's talk about the differences of like, social media then and now and like what MLMs look like then and now. It's really interesting to me. So the reason for and the last reason that MLMs need to jump on the social media bandwagon is that live selling events brings together the best of in-person that you're talking about and e-commerce worlds that we're also talking about. So in addition to interacting with customers through social media and shopping links, live selling events, like I just said, are an effective way for MLM representatives to leverage social media. By hosting live events, a representative can showcase products as well as their expertise, and the choice of live selling tools is crucial. I remember being in LuLaRoe, and that's when Periscope first came out. Right. You remember Periscope? Mm -hmm. It was basically Facebook Live, but like Twitter's version of it. And it was yeah. literally just people going live and you could just watch people going live. That's all it was. Yep. And that's right around Periscope getting very popular within the MLM community. That's when Facebook Live became a thing and Periscope disappeared. And then everybody was selling on Facebook Live. And I remember that was right at the beginning of me selling LuLaRoe and being like, oh my God, this is so perfect. Like everybody has their own QVC channel, essentially. You can come here. I can show you the fabric. I can show you all the stuff. I can put it on. I can pair it. And it really kind of changed everything. The way that LuLaRoe started doing this changed everything because I don't know if I brought it up on the podcast before. I know I've talked about it in passing, but there's a company called Comment Sold that is very big within the live selling community. And these are people that have legitimate boutiques, 
legitimate businesses that they're selling on Facebook Live, they're selling on all of these things. Comment Sold actually was designed by a LuLaRoe husband to help with his wife's live sales. And they developed this program and now it's like the most popular program for live selling and that's what they do full time now. They're no longer in LuLaRoe. So what does the program do? So it essentially is a program that you go live when you use Comment Sold. You program it on the back end. Everything has a number. So when you say, oh, you know, comment sold, they would say that in LuLaRoe. Like if you want these leggings, these are leggings number 87. If you want them, comment sold 87. So anybody typing sold 87, I would go, okay, they got it. That's who got it. They said it first. When you type sold 87, it will invoice you. It'll like add it to your cart. So people are watching live and then you'll be like, sold 87. Oh, I like the next one too. Sold 88. Oh, the next one's cute too. Sold 89. And in their cart, because they're signed up through comment sold, I should have them come on and ask them if they want to be on the show. That's a genius program. <laughs> yeah, it's a genius program. And I see so many people. There was a boutique next door to my salon in my tiny little town who would do online sales and they used comment sold. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so wild because like I know the origins of this story. It came out of LuLaRoe and out of the need to organize the chaos of live sales when you have X amount of things, right? So I would just put in comment sold, I have 10 of these. Number 87 equals 10. Sold 87, now I only have nine. Sold 87, now I only have eight. So it would keep track of everything. Brilliant. And people still use it to this day. It is like, it's one of the top like live selling tools. And so this article talking about leveraging social media and leveraging the business tools that you're using, especially in live selling, was really interesting. It says many MLM representatives use free or low cost social media platforms for selling like Facebook or Zoom. I don't think people have sales in Zoom. I think they just have parties or meetings or whatever. But however, it's important for MLM companies to provide tools that integrate the platform's functionality with the e-commerce capabilities provided by the software, which is where comment sold comes in. Facebook is a primary social selling platform for many MLMs, but there are guidelines and restrictions like you talked about. For example, having a business name on a Facebook page or making a large number of posts with external links in a short amount of time are Facebook red flags and can land representatives in what they like to call Facebook jail. So if your company chooses Facebook as its social selling channel, make sure that your representatives understand and have the tools they need and what is and isn't allowed is what, what the article is saying. And as representatives promote, host, and engage with customers via live selling events, there must be an easy way for customers to purchase products. More often when using platforms like Facebook Live, a comment selling approach is used to let the representative know who is purchasing. So using fully integrated live selling tools, which bypass social media platforms, provide live selling capabilities, build purchasing into the interface and enable a customer to click and add an item to their shopping cart or even complete the purchase without leaving the event or requiring any real-time involvement by the rep. So that's where we're at now. It's wild to me to think that MLM has any hand in any of the ways we do things because it really is almost like MLM is like this strange beta test and we don't even realize we're doing it. But with so much enthusiasm and the way that we're able to reach now so many more people and so many people join as opposed to just going to a party or talking to your neighbor, 
you're able to reach millions of people potentially. I mean, things go viral all the time. So you're able to reach a million people if you do it, quote, the right way. Yeah. And my like audience customer base was so different. You know, with Party Light, it was who was around here. And like, if I would book a party and it was too far, like over an hour, I wouldn't want to do it. So I would, we had this system we called it dovetailing where like I would give it to somebody who lived in that area, but they would still like in the system, they can give me like 10%. So like, because it was too far, I didn't want to go, but doing social media, I was talking to people from California and selling challenge packs to, you know, like all over the country. So it's kind of crazy that it just opened up a whole world in front of you. I think that there are pros and cons to that approach. One, when you keep it really private and it's just your friends, your local friends, your local family, your neighbors, your teachers, the moms at school, whatever, it doesn't saturate as fast because it's just you reaching out to your general warm network, right? When you add social media and the ability to now reach 75% of the country on your phone with the click of boop, here's a deal. And you're able to reach this. I mean, I see MLM people go viral all the time. The videos are not necessarily for the MLM, but they're things that they're doing to provide content and additional services within this community that they're building and the things go viral. And then people are like, oh my God, I want more information. Like I see it happen all the time. That would have never happened at a party like party in your living room. It would have never happened. And so that now saturates the market a lot more. So it's harder to be quote successful because now there are more people and there's more access to reaching more people. And that saturation point gets saturated much, much faster. Now, I think that's probably good because these are all scams and I want people to realize that. <laughs> but when you bring it online and you open it up to so many more people, the other thing that happens is the anti-people can reach those same people. And we can say, let me tell you a true story. Let me tell you what's actually happening. Let me share my experience with this company. And we can also reach those people as well. Whereas Back in the day, having a party light party, if your neighbor was anti-MLM, they probably would just be like, I'm not coming to my neighbor and her dumb scam. They're having a party tonight. Sorry that th there's no parking available. Like it's that sort of thing. It's not like, you know, a Facebook group like being shared or you making a video and like all these people coming to your comments to leave nasty comments about how you're a hater and you're bitter and it didn't work out for you. Like <laughs> there's these pros and these cons about keeping these things small. But what's so interesting is like, you know, everything is like I said, like at the tip of our fingers nowadays that you can very easily share information, good and bad about anything. And so for me, it's like, I see the pros and the cons of going online. It's such a wild frontier. And it's so interesting to me to know that MLM and the constant need for reinventing the wheel to keep it quote legal online. Like, it's just interesting where we're at with other e-commerce because other e-commerce can't really compete when MLMs are providing this sort of service. So it's interesting that it's just really, it's created just a different way of doing business, but it's like, it started with MLM. Yeah. And I think that it's also created a new level of toxicities within MLMs. The encouragement 
to open up your vulnerabilities online is so uncomfortable. And I did a lot of that feeling like I had to do it and talking about things that I would never talk about on a live or on a video for people to see. And I would like block like family and stuff from the videos and stuff because I didn't, it's, it's not who I am. I don't talk about things like I'm not that type of person, but I felt the need to have to do this for the sake of my quote unquote business for myself. But then you also see like even like content creators and these family bloggers and what they're doing to their children and how, you know, we don't know what the effects of that kind of toxicity is going to be on these children yet either, because they're still young and they're still going through it. Well, what is that going to cost them later? You know, we just don't like, that's just a whole other realm of issues that social media has opened up for MLM and just being online and just being bringing out our narcissistic tendencies too. Like, look at me. And now I'm like, don't look at me. Don't, I don't want you to look at me now. <laughs> so don't. Because we're also seeking that validation and confirmation bias, not only with our purchasing, we're like, should I get the blue one or the red one? What do you think? It's not just that. It's like, oh my God, my best friend just posted this. What should I do? And then your MLM being like, Ugh. That's so negative. Like you should tell her not to do that. And if she does it again, you should block her. That's my best friend of my whole entire life. Right. But like, she's literally trying to destroy your business and your happiness and your future and like your dreams. Like she's trying to. So you're also getting the confirmation bias from these really toxic group. There's no regulation within these groups. I mean, that's, I feel like a theme with an MLM, like deregulate everything, but there's no regulation. People treat each other very poorly. They say horrible things to each other. It brings out the worst in people. And you know, when you're in a toxic situation, it brings out the toxic in you too. So you're in these toxically positive situations where they're manipulating you based on your faith, based on your income, based on like what shoes you're wearing or what products you're, you know, like Everything is based on your appearance and you're in these really toxic confirmation bias echo chambers and you're making horrible decisions and you're not fully functional and in the right mindset to be doing this because it just, it really fosters this negative space, which they believe is positive because girl power and we're like supporting each other. And I was like, but you're not really, you're giving each other very bad advice bad financial advice, bad relationship advice, bad marriage advice, all of it is bad advice. And it, all of the advice is decided and determined as what's best for the MLM, whether it's your business or just MLM as a whole, but what's best for the bottom line. And if what's best for the bottom line is getting a divorce or blocking your best friend or, you know, spreading horrible rumors about people and things like, then that's what it is. And we can't see it when we're in it. It is interesting because I don't think this sort of stuff was happening back in the day with Party Light. I mean, how did you guys have team meetings? Was it all just locals who came to so-and-so's house or? Oh yeah, I drove. I drove well, actually over an hour was where my leader meetings were. I had three meetings a month. One was at my house because I was the unit leader. So people would drive to my house. Then one was my leader meeting, which was over an hour, almost two hours away from me. And I would go once a month. And then my regional meetings were also once a month. And that was about an hour away from me. So yeah, so like none of that stuff was done online. 
like nothing. I think I did a conference call once when I was pregnant. I did a conference call with my unit and this was in 2006 because I was put at the end, I was put on like not bed rest, but couch rest. So I didn't have a meeting. So I did a conference call with my girls (laughs) and that was like unheard of. Like you had to be in person. Like that was it. Yeah. It is very interesting in the last 20 years how different social media has changed the game of MLM. Oh, yeah. I have not been invited to a party. Oh, my God. I can't even remember the last one I ever went to. Actually, I think I had one in 2013 to help my friends who was still in it. And I think that was the last party I had. But I don't even remember the last one I went to. And I've been to them all. And I've encouraged people. Oh, I've encouraged people to get involved and do it. I encouraged my sister-in-law once to do creative memories because she was so good at scrapbooking. I don't know. I I just always encouraged people to do it because I thought it was the greatest thing. And I encouraged people to join me and I don't even talk to them anymore. And I feel terrible. (laughs) So what was the final straw for Beachbody? There were some issues within my team where my upline kind of just like disappeared off the face of the earth. Like, I don't know what happened to him in terms of the business. I'm still friends with him on Facebook, but like in terms of the business and then the person above him, she decided she didn't want to do it anymore. So she sold her business to her son. He's like, she could just, you could just sell it, I guess. And he did not, he just wanted to collect the checks because there were some big earners underneath her, like big earners. So I'm sure she was getting some nice bonus residuals. I don't know what she was doing herself, but she didn't want to be involved anymore. And she just sold it to him. And we never heard from him ever. And I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm done with this. You know, the way that I saw that the way they handled with like fitness, Autumn was really starting to get to me. <laughs> She's another toxic, we've had kind of conversations in this your realm about that. And so I was just kind of phasing myself out because I was kind of done. I I was still doing the workouts a little bit here and there as a customer and not as a coach. And then I finally just closed out my customer account about a year or so ago and said, yeah, that was it. I was done. Wow. Mm -hmm. So how does it feel to be done with MLM? I always feel like I I always feel like I have to be busy. So in after MLM, I tried to start another business. I, I, I'm big into genealogy. So I was starting a Facebook page all about genealogy, but I kind of got bored with that. And then I started, uh, my ex-husband and I were going to start doing like Disney planning, but that didn't really go anywhere. And I was all over social media and TikTok with that. And then I, I when I stopped doing all that, it was like, every time I stopped doing like MLM, I was like, oh. I already work two jobs. I work a full-time job and a part-time job. Like, I think I'm done, (laughs) you know, like, but then again, I still feel like I always have to be busy and moving on to the next thing. So I don't know. Definitely not going to be another MLM. I think that was why I went back to Party Light and ended up signing on with their affiliate. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, what is wrong with me? Cut that out. And that was it. So uh, listening to your podcast really gave me some ah ahas about MLM, because I never had that negative cutthroat experience or something so incredibly toxic, or it it definitely wasn't good for my marriage, but it wasn't the break all of it. But I never had that big aha event or something that happened that, you know, opened my eyes. So it was just listening to the gradual things that people telling their stories would say that would be like, oh my God, like 
I was love bombed completely. You know, in Party Light, we all started talking alike. We all had our own like word that we all said all the time and went around saying, and we all tried to emulate the way that our RVP was. And like, she's still a fantastic person, but it's just all these little things that was kind of cult-like that all, like listening to these different stories was like, holy crap, what was going on there? But I got lucky enough that it wasn't something that was detrimental. But I do want to share something that was another aha moment. I I have it up here. I had logged into my social security account because we all have one with the government and it tells you what year you have to retire, how much you would get if you're on track with this and that. And it has a whole profile of your reported incomes since you've started working. So I took a look at that. And so 2001 to 2005 is lumped together probably because it goes back so far. But my average income there was about, and that was when I was doing solely party light, was about $23,000 a year. And I thought I was doing wonderful. In 2006, which was the year that I had my son, my reported income on my taxes, now don't forget you're always writing stuff off, right? Was zero. I was still doing my shows, earning my trips, number three in sales, holding my own, having my team. My reported income was zero. In 2007, it was $9,000, almost 10. And that was, Party Light was telling me I was earning, Party Light told me what I earned. It was definitely not zero, but I still had to write my stuff off. For my multi-level marketing years, looking at that was a big aha, especially that big fat zero reported in 2006, which I know affected what I see from my retirement in social security and when I can retire. So that was kind of my big aha when I looked at that several years ago. And I was like, what did multi-level marketing do to me? Wow. So yeah. So between you and that, (laughs) it was like, yeah, yeah, this is not something people should be involved in, whether you're doing it just for some extra money or not, because you're spending so much money. I mean, my Facebook account says that I've spent thousands on just trying to build my page, plus the auto ship of Shakeology every single month for, a, you know, what was it, five years or so, it was not money that I should have been spending as a single mother. It was not. I mean, I had a great full-time job, but it still wasn't money that I should have been spending. So yeah, that was kind of my big aha. Well, I'm so glad you're out. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) And that you're with us here on this other side and that this podcast helped you because I I love hearing that, you know, I always hope that it helps, but it always, it feels really good when people say, oh, your show helped. I was like, what? Really? So I really appreciate that. Are you ready to do some rapid fire questions? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Gina, give me one word that encompasses how you feel about multi-level marketing. Scammed. Give me a piece of advice to somebody that wants to join a multi-level marketing company. Really look at their income disclosure statements. Find out how much money they're going to ask you to spend before you sign on the dotted line. What is the worst MLM in your opinion? I'm going to have to say the wellness ones. Beachbody or body, whatever they call themselves now. That what's that? Other, Octavia, the one that makes you starve yourself. Yeah, Optavia. Optavia. Any of those wellness MLMs that are just not being like nobody has any nutritional, fitness, health experience telling you what to do. 
it's very dangerous. What is the hardest lesson that you learned while you were in MLM? That it was bad, that it was not good because I did have great memories and good personal experience, but it's not a business. It's not a good plan. It's not a good use of your time, <laughs> especially if you have another job on top of it, you're going to end up spending all of your free time on this venture that you think you're going on and you're not. And lastly, give me a positive takeaway from your time in MLM. I think I learned, especially from Party Light, some professional decorum. We had to be very professional as leaders. We were always business casual. It really helps me with public speaking because I trained a lot in front of a big group. Doing your parties, you're talking in front of a big group. It really made me comfortable in front of a large group. And that translated into being comfortable in the corporate world, especially in front of leadership. And I think that's something I look at as a strength when going into like a new job or into corporate is that I'm comfortable talking to leadership probably because I have spent so much time talking in public because that's what the olden days parties <laughs> used to have to do was talk in front of groups a lot, not hide behind your screen. So that, I think that was the biggest positive. It was a skill that I learned. Thank you so much, Gina. This was so wonderful to chat with you and to discuss social media and how it has changed and really equipped MLM Huns with even more power. <laughs> Thank you. I've always wanted to be on the show with you. So this was so fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And follow us on social media at Life After MLM Podcast or visit our website at lifeafteremlmpod.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon for exclusive content and join the community on Discord. You can find all of the links to follow in our show notes. Life After MLM is produced by Roberta Blevins. Audio editing is done by the lovely Kayla Craven. Video editing by the indescribable RK Gold. And Michelle Carpenter is our triple emerald princess of robots. If you have a story about a cult, fraud, scam, or MLM and want to be on the show, please hit us up. We would love to help you tell your story and start your healing journey in life after MLM. See you next time, Hans.